message today, Saving Sacred. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Erica. I'm a lead pastor here at the well alongside Jason, my husband. And uh, today I'm continuing in this series. So let's read our verse that's kind of overarching this series. It's out of Jeremiah 6, 16. And it says this, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Does that sound like a promise, right? A good word. So today, as we explore our next sacred practice, I want to encourage you to keep your minds open and your hearts ready for what God might say to you in this moment. Because here's the thing, I have a feeling in this message, you're going to have a lot of why nots come up into your mind. You're going to have a lot of excuses present themselves as to why you cannot participate in this sacred path that we're going to talk about today. And I just believe that God is trying to refresh the body of Christ and trying to speak truth into the body of Christ and trying to remind the body of Christ of the sacred paths that may seem ancient but are still very applicable today. So before we get into the message, let's pray. God, we just thank you for this moment. God, we just ask that you would speak today. God, would you use me, God, to bring your word to our people, God, to the body of Christ, Lord, to the well online and in person today, God. Would you just help us to be open and ready for your word today, God? Ready to hear what you might have to say, Lord. We just thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so this particular ancient path that we're getting into is called the Sabbath, You remember that? There's this thing called the Sabbath. And today as we dig into the Sabbath, I'm going to speak to you from the title, Because Your Life Depends on It. And you might be like, why? Well, I'll tell you. So just hang in there. We won't leave you stranded with no solutions today. In fact, I have a whole lot of conversation to be had today, 12 pages of notes So just get ready, okay? (laughs) Let's begin at the beginning. Genesis 2, 2 through 3, it says this. On the seventh day, God had completed his work in what he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. For on it he rested from all his work of creation. We continue through the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. This is where we find the law built out in the Bible. We continue through this to see where God takes the seventh day and actually makes it a part of the Ten Commandments. Now, as I was getting ready this morning, I was trying to think back as to when I would have even really heard about the Sabbath growing up in Christian church for 39 years And I think the only time I've actually heard the word Sabbath mentioned is in the Ten Commandments. And I realize that our churches are missing out on this such, this incredible reality that God has gifted to us to find rest and renewal for our souls. Just like it said in Jeremiah, right? And so in Exodus 2, 8 through 11, we see how in the Old Testament, he laid out the truth of the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son, or your daughter, your servants, your livestock, the resident alien who is in within your gates. I don't know if you have any resident aliens in your home, but... We're just going to keep going. (laughs) For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. This is just God telling us how great he is. He built everything, did all the work possible in six days. 
We're human. We can't do that. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Now, Jesus comes on the scene. So we move from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And here's where a lot of Christ followers have kind of lost track of the Sabbath. Because we ask questions like, well, Jesus is here and we're under a new covenant. So where does the Sabbath stand in that? And is the law no longer? Or is this just a silly suggestion? Is it perhaps maybe legalistic? This is where our yeah buts kind of come into play when it comes into the New Testament and the New Covenant. But I want to take you through how we see Jesus really encourage the Sabbath throughout the Bible. The Pharisees challenged many of these same questions because Jesus, in Mark 12, likes to keep looking a little busy on the Sabbath. So let's look at it. Mark 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus passed through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick and eat some heads of grain. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, See, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Haven't you read what David did when he and those who were with him were hungry? How he entered the house of God, and they ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him or for those with him to eat, but only for the priests." Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple violate the Sabbath and are innocent? I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, that something greater than the temple is here. He's referring to himself. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 9. Moving on from there, he entered their synagogue. There he saw a man who had shriveled, a shriveled hand, and in order to accuse him, they asked him, the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He replied to them, who among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out? A person is worth far more than a sheep, so it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. So in Matthew 12, he continues demonstrating this truth of the Sabbath and acts of mercy on the Sabbath. And we wonder, is Jesus getting rid of the Sabbath? He has come and he is greater and he is Lord of the Sabbath. So is he suggesting that the Sabbath is no longer? Well, here's what I would like to present to you. If he was suggesting that, verse 12 would not say a person who's worth far more than sheep, so it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. Jesus is still acknowledging the Sabbath. He's still acknowledging the truth of it and the presence of it. He's still practicing it. He's just saying, don't get so legalistic that you don't even help someone on the Sabbath. Don't get so legalistic that you don't serve in kids' ministry on the Sabbath. Don't get so legalistic that you can't perform an act of mercy and love your neighbor on the Sabbath. That's all he's saying. See, if he was getting rid of the Sabbath and saying it's no longer legitimate, then he would say something more covert and likely in a parable type way, you know, as he likes to do, he would say something more like, I have come and therefore the Sabbath is done. He would have just stopped it right there. You wouldn't be going back and forth with the Pharisees trying to decide is the Sabbath the thing or not. He would have acknowledged in that moment if the Sabbath was not to be a part of our weekly rhythm, he would have said, it's over. Don't worry about it. Jesus has come. But see, the reality is, even when we look through the Bible, we see Jesus constantly resting, finding ways to rest. Feeds 5,000 people, finds out John the Baptist was beheaded, wants to get away to rest, acts of mercy, loves people, and goes away in the middle of the night to rest. 
to be with his Lord. So you see all throughout the New Testament, Jesus enacting not just the Sabbath, but rhythms of rest and renewal and connection with God throughout all of his ministry. He doesn't just go about the three years of ministry just connecting with himself and doing what he wants to do. He realizes he has to go to his father. So to further illustrate that the Sabbath is not dismissed under the new covenant, we read this in Matthew, spoken by Jesus, Matthew 5, 17 through 20, and this is out of the message version. Don't think that I have come to abolish the law. I'm sorry, this one's not out of the message version. This is our CSB version. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth have passed away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We also read in Hebrews Verse 4, 9 through 11, it says this, Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Even God rested, we saw in Genesis. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. So these verses tell us that there's still validity and value and levity to the Sabbath in our lives, but it's not a salvation issue. It's not that if you don't practice the Sabbath, you're not going to go to heaven. It's reality is, is that it is wisdom to still practice the Sabbath. It's a recognition that it still has weight and necessity in our lives, in our day-to-day. And this is where I really believe that our life depends on it. And we're going to get into that a little bit more later. But listen to this example from Michael Zigarelli. Sorry for listening, Michael. I just destroyed your name. You're welcome. Okay, he conducted this survey of 20,000 Christians that identified the, that busyness and constant overload as a major, were a major distraction from God. Here's the cycle that he found through these Christians. Christians assimilate a culture of busyness, hurry and overload, leading to God becoming more marginalized in their lives, leading to a deterioration of their relationship with God, leading to Christians becoming more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, leading to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry and overload. And then the cycle begins again. And again, all throughout our life. So what's the problem here? You can see that if this cycle continues in our life and we don't break this cycle, eventually we can see the Christ follower get farther and farther and farther and farther away from the truth of the gospel, from their father, ultimately spending little to no time knowing him and being in relationship. So this is why I say your life depends on it. Your soul, your relationship with Jesus, and so much more depends on making the Sabbath a part of your weekly rhythm. So knowing this still, we have lots of reasons, right? Many of us even now have a couple dozen, uh, why I cannot do that in, my, in our minds, right? We go, I can't take a whole 24-hour period to just delight in God and his creation and my family and his gifts, and I can't do that. It's difficult for us. But it's not just because we can't. It's not because we don't have the time. A lot of it is fear. 
See, the slot of slowing down to experience the fullness of the Sabbath rest scares us because it forces us to confront ourselves. I don't know if you've ever been alone in the car for too long, but suddenly some things start getting, you know, coming out. Like, I'm alone with my thoughts. Feels a little unsafe, right? Listen to this story by Peter Scazzaro. So he's, he's sharing in a room full of pastors and leaders. He's sharing about this idea of the Sabbath. And he's saying, you know, take a Sabbath. So then this guy, Bob, grabs him in the back of the room. I doubt his name was Bob. We just put Bob in the book for fun. <laughs> but it could have been. And he said to Peter, he said, they can't stop. If they stop, they'll die. They're terrified. They're frightened to death of what they'll see inside of themselves if they slow down. And you want them to immerse themselves in things like solitude, Sabbath, and silent reflection. And then he went on to say that the terror of stopping reveals the depth of their emptiness. Bob continued matter-of-factly saying, Pete, you're inviting them into practices that might well obliterate their entire sense of self. The self that's rooted in their work and performance. Can you see the magnitude of that? And he is talking about pastors and leaders. And that just reminds me, maybe that's why I've never heard this message before. Because we don't know how to stop. We attribute everything to, well, we're just trying to see people saved. But God still commands rest. If the God of the universe who created everything in six days has to take a day of rest, how much more does your soul need a day of rest? Dan Allender says this, as much as we may clamor for joy and freedom, when it's actually offered, it is too painful to receive and celebrate. But here's the truth. The the Sabbath was gifted to us by our creator in order that we might thrive. It isn't something we need to fear. John Mark Comer puts it this way, there is a way that the creator set the creation up to thrive, a way that God set you up to thrive, and when we Sabbath, we tap into God's rhythm of human flourishing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm not flourishing. But God calls us to a place of actual flourishing where we can thrive in and through him where we can rest into our work, which we'll get into more here soon. So here's the thing, it's a gift. The Sabbath is a gift leading us into our toil with rest and fullness. We led into working with rest rather than a continuation of toil and unfulfillment. Over the last 18 months, I've been drawn to this rhythm and literally I think it's been in every single book I've read. And I've read a lot of books. So I guess it hasn't been in every one of them, but it's been in a lot of them. Definitely wasn't in Edward's version of the Twilight movie. (laughs) Wasn't in that one. (laughs) But, But I've read these books and it keeps coming and it keeps being brought up and I keep creating lots of excuses as to why this rhythm could not exist in my life. But you know, this last year we decided it's no longer okay to ignore. It's no longer okay to not have this rhythm of rest and renewal in our home. So as a family, we began practicing the Sabbath in the new year. 
It actually took us like three weeks into the new year to create this rhythm. And even still, we're constantly trying to create it because, you know, we don't realize the things that actually can take up a 24-hour period of time. And at first here, we were like addicts coming down from a high of constant movement. We were information overload, finger twitching from lack of dopamine hits by way of social media and an incessant itch to do something, literally anything. Like I'm just, the laundry, can I just move the laundry from there to there? And it's not about that, right? It's like, it's not about creating rules and boundaries. You do have to create some or else you'll never Sabbath. (laughs) It's not making it legalistic. It's trying to define and and refine what does our family need and this is what it's gonna look like in our home. So it took weeks to actually get to a place where we found a rhythm and we're gonna continue fine-tuning it. But here's the things we do on Sabbath. We have a family movie night on Friday nights. Our Sabbath is Friday through Saturday, Friday at six to Saturday at six because we're here on Sunday and we just, that's just resting and you know, that's just probably not gonna happen. We're leading a church of thousands of people. That's prophetic. But <laughs> so our rhythm looks like playing games and having moments of gratitude and, and having like a lunch together and we color and read and, and we try to sit in stillness or Jason sits in stillness while three kids bug me about everything, but we try to find stillness and rest. <laughs> it's real, he knows it, that's why he, Raise his hand because he knows it's true. But it's worth exploring and adding to your rhythm. Still, you might have rebuttals, right? You might think, I don't have time. This isn't necessary or this is boring. Justice liked to inform us yesterday that this is boring because we try on Saturdays to eliminate, a good chunk of the day eliminate electronics. And I get it. It is. You're right. It is boring at first. It's hard to figure out what does this look like But I just want to encourage you with those things popping up in your mind as your why nots. Would you just say, be quiet. Remember, you have authority over what's going on in your mind. And then ask God, Lord, how would you ask me to proceed? Okay? Start somewhere. Pick a day, any day. Any day. You know, in in the Torah, it was Friday through Saturday. Because it was Jewish culture. And Jewish culture is Saturday worship. And so... You saw in the Bible, in the first five books, that that, that's when they would practice. It's not about when, it's about doing it. A lot of people take Sundays because it's your day off. And mind you, taking a day off and running errands is not a Sabbath. That is what Eugene Peterson calls a bastard Sabbath. So when we treat our Sabbath like our get or done day, and that's not true Sabbath. Sabbath is rest and worship and delight in the things around us, which we're gonna get into more. So let's look at the benefits of Sabbath. The first is this, Sabbath rest reminds us that we are no longer slaves. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 14 says, be careful to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not work, you or your donkey, he's reminding the Israelites of the same thing he told them in Exodus when he brought down the Ten Commandments. Don't do any work. But the reason that the Israelites had to be reminded of this was because they spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. And 400 years of slavery means you don't get a day of rest. When you're in bondage to someone else, you don't get rest. 
You're a slave. You do what they want you to do. So they had been in 400 years of slavery, and God had to remind them, you are no longer in slavery. You can have a Sabbath rest. You can take time to be present with me. You can take time to do absolutely nothing. That is what freedom looks like. Freedom looks like choice. Many of us are walking around enslaved to our jobs because we don't know how to shut it down. We're enslaved to Instagram because we don't know how to shut it down. We're enslaved to a person because we don't know how to draw boundaries. And the reminder is that we are no longer slaves, we are free. We can see it too in Galatians through Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, eight through nine, it says, but in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather became known by him, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? I think every message this comes out in me. Stop putting yourself back in bondage. We are free people. We get free choice. We get for the good or the bad, right? But in Christ, we have the ability to rest. We, are not, we do not have to be enslaved to the world. We are free as sons and daughters. So when we are confronted with a desire to keep pushing and striving, we must realize that this is not coming from our freedom. This is coming from our bondage. If we're struggling with resting, we might be still entangled with our bondage. Peter Scazzaro says it like this, through his weekly, this weekly practice, we divide, defy every influence that defines us either by our leadership role or our productivity. We publicly proclaim to the world that we are not slaves, but free men and women purchased by the blood of Jesus. So that's the truth of the Sabbath is that we are no longer slaves and the beauty of it allows us to see that. The second point is this, Sabbath rest teaches us to enjoy delight. Oh, most of us don't even know how to deal with that word, delight. It's too comfortable or something. I don't know, too frilly maybe. (laughs) We don't know how to deal with this idea of delight, but it's not because we don't like the word or it's uncomfortable or it's too frilly. It's because we don't know what to do with delight. Dan Ellender says this, few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is more than most can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. Regardless, the Sabbath was built in for us to experience delight. It was a gift for us, not something we are forced to serve. That's where our choice comes in. Mark 2, 27, then he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a gift to us to experience delight. So on the Sabbath, here's what we delight in. We delight first in him. Isaiah 58, 2 says, They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways. Like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God, they ask me for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. Sabbath is to delight in him. Secondly, it's to delight in his creation. Genesis 1.31, even God delighted in his creation. God saw all that he made and it was very good indeed. He was proud 
And he asks us to be just as proud of his creation. He asks us to recognize our surroundings. What is his creation? His creation is the things we love. And I'm not talking about monetary things. I'm talking about non-monetary things. I'm talking about hiking in the mountains or skiing or, you know, going swimming, if you like that, in the lake. (laughs) As one does. (laughs) I'm talking about things like that, reading, beaches. Some people love gardening. That would be work to me. I would not do that on my Sabbath. That's not delightful. I will probably not do that any day, actually. That's why my garden is overgrown. But (laughs) the reality is some people actually love that. That brings them delight. It makes them slow down and be present. And then there's the people that we love. Those are God's creation. Whether you like what they said that morning or not, God created them. And we're to delight in them. We're to know them, to be present with them. And trust me, that was hard yesterday. (laughs) On Sabbath, I want to be like, who can babysit my kids so I can Sabbath? (laughs) Because my three-year-old is extra right now. (gasps) But the reality is, God gave me these people to love, and he created them. So here I am, finding delight. (laughs) The third thing is that the person that we are, who God created in us, that we delight in this creation, acknowledging God, wow, you know, what have you gifted me with? Acknowledging our gifts, bringing him our pains and our hurts, but taking this day to delight and reflect on the goodness of God in our lives. Whatever we do, we delight, we do with delight and an awareness of the God who gave us the opportunity for such delight. The third thing is Sabbath rest extinguishes my least favorite word on the planet, burnout. (laughs) I have a hard time just keeping still in this moment because I want to go all the places, but I'm going to try and focus on my notes and stick with the program. Here's the thing. In Leviticus 25, we see that God allowed a Sabbath for even the land. It would be toiled for six years and rest on the entire seventh year. The entire seventh year, he left the land alone. And this did two things. First, it allowed the impoverished to actually come and eat from the remnants of the land. But the second thing that I love is that it allowed the land to replenish itself and its nutrients. If the land needs a Sabbath, how much more does the soil of your soul need a Sabbath? An entire year he would ask this land to be Sabbath, to be left alone, to be untoiled. See, many of us run around shouting prayers to the Lord while we are busy, busy, busy. I call these spewing prayers. It's how I work, actually. I just send them up whenever I need to, you know, like when something pops into my mind, I'm just spewing my prayers. And I don't think that's a bad thing because, I mean, I'm still in communion with him. But the reality is, is when it's the issue is when we don't slow down to actually listen to the answer, you know? But here's the thing. We're not giving him room to rest and replenish our souls. So we're running around because we're busy and we can throw up a prayer here or there, but we're not taking time to actually be still in the presence of him. The express purpose of the Sabbath is to stop running around and to care for something far more important. Abraham Joshua Heschel, he wrote the Sabbath. 
Six days a week, we wrestle with the world, wringing profit from the earth. On the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in the soil. The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. Six days a week, we seek to dominate the world. On the seventh day, we try to dominate the self. This is one of the reasons why we don't want to do the seventh day. But here's the thing. We complain of burnout and often blame the wrong source for our burnout. What I notice most often is that when people are feeling burnt out, they stop coming to church, they stop serving in church, they stop communion with God, the very person who can actually give them rest and renewal so that they don't have burnout. The only being who can give you rest and renewal is God. So you could stop doing the things that you love and that you're called to, that we're all participating in in our acts of worship and the ways we get engaged in our community and our church and in the lives of people around us. You can stop those things, but it will not stop your burnout unless you choose to add a rhythm of rest. You will forever encounter moments of burnout. And when our heart and priorities are set on things above, we extinguish burnout and find rest. We must remember that we can't be the ones to order our tomorrows. Our striving is not biblical. As it takes the control of our tomorrow and places it into our own hands. But Matthew 6, 31 in the message says this, 31 through verse 34. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. I like this version because it's speaking to all of us like we need to be talked to. I'm trying to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over the things, these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in the God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns well be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. See, when our attention is on the God things of our life, when our attention is on him, when we've learned to find rest in a day, then we see God handle the things of tomorrow to lift our burdens and give breath to the things we find burning us out. You know what I've realized is in rest, I don't walk into places as anxious as I used to. It used to be that every Saturday, I would get very anxious for Sunday. For multiple reasons, which I will not go into, I would get anxious for Sunday. But in rest, I've found that that anxiety has left I mean, there's still this time around six to seven where I'm like, oh, gotta reset and get ready. I get a little frazzled. But the reality is, is I'm not spending my day worried about tomorrow. I'm realizing I'm walking into not just tomorrow, but my week feeling refreshed and ready and prepared for whatever God throws at me or the world throws at me. I can say yes to or I can conquer because ultimately he's already given me the path I've been present with him and I've been learning and I've been delighting in him and it also diminishes the really hard things in our lives a bit 
It brings it down to a level of understanding that God is so much greater than this thing that I'm focused on. Why am I worried when I have God, the God of the universe, who ultimately has given me authority in this, who is my conqueror? John Mark Comer says that because the Sabbath isn't as just a 24-hour time slot in your weekly schedule. It's a spirit of restfulness that goes with you throughout the week. A way of living with ease and gratitude and appreciation and peace and prayer. A way of working from rest, not for rest, with nothing to prove, and a way of bearing fruit and abiding, not ambition. See, our burnout becomes extinguished because we are resting into our life with a different kind of appreciation. It's a God-centered appreciation. It's a 30,000-foot view appreciation of the world around us and understanding. The last point quickly is this, that Sabbath rest draws us to our Savior. See, I'm reminded of this banner of presence and encounter over this year. If you're new here, we kind of felt like going into 2021 that God was taking us into a season of presence and encounter. What does that mean? It just means that we're going to sense his presence. We're going to encounter him. And we're going to, we're going to continue pushing into that. Now we can obviously have presence and encounter in our lives at any moment. God can interrupt your seven days a week at any moment. But see, this is relationship. So there's something we have to give in a relationship. If we want to be near to our Savior, we actually have to sacrifice some time. We have to lay down the things of the world and the accolade and the success and the things we want to accomplish and we have to give our time to God because all that is for naught that stuff doesn't go with you to eternity right knowing him is what draws us towards eternity what draws us to him James 4 8 says draw near to God and he will draw near to you the Sabbath promises nearness to God when we use it to draw near to him our complete fulfillment is in and through him. Our rest is in him. Our being known is in him. Our learning to let go of control is in him. It's in depth of relationships with him that we experience ultimate freedom, complete delight, and delivery from performance, which has led us to burnout. See, Sabbath means nothing if you don't yet personally, though, know your Savior. And this might sound like a cool idea, might sound great to be refreshed and renewed, and you know that something's tugging at your soul because it's missing that thing. Some of you in this room are like, I know Jesus and that's missing. And today I just wanna encourage you to pray about how God would ask you, what day of the week are you gonna Sabbath? Maybe some of you are in medical, so you have to switch it around because you know your, your week changes from week to week or you're in another retail or something like that where you're not, don't have this like constant rhythm. Then look at your calendar and say, well, Tuesday is my Sabbath this week. I'm starting with feasting on Monday night and I'm gonna end with a feast on Tuesday and I'm gonna rest and I'm gonna delight and I'm gonna be in his presence and I'm gonna be in his creation. And your soul is begging for it so don't ignore this moment where you're feeling that sense. And then for those of you who just don't know Jesus and you're like, this all sounds great, but I don't even know how to connect with God because I don't know God. I wanna tell you that Jesus was sent as the son of God to die on the cross for you, for your sins. 
that you might have rest in eternity with him, that you might have renewal for your souls, that you might have encouragement here on earth, that you might have hope and freedom. And some of you are still enslaved to the world, honestly. And Jesus is just drawing you in and drawing you out. And the promise is that you would, when we draw near to him, when we say yes to him, he will come to us. He's just waiting for you to say yes. See, that's the freedom of Jesus. It's the freedom of our choice to choose him. So we're gonna take a minute and just pray over those in the room who maybe have never said yes to Jesus and today you want to. Today you're saying, I am committing my life to the savior, savior of the universe.